The game is over when the final buzzer sounds. The analysis ends when you say it does. This is Overtime Open Line. Interviews, analysis, and your opinion. Overtime Open Line is brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Now, from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center, Reed Reed Wilkins Wilkins on on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. It's a debacle in Dallas for the Edmonton Oilers. They are whipped 5-1 by the Stars, blown out again, something that's been happening far too often this season and lately. Edmonton now 1-4-1 in its last six games, outscored 24-9 over that span, and I'm actually being generous because I'm giving them credit for the shootout goal against the Anaheim Ducks, really in terms of goals scored in gameplay. It's 24-8 over the last six games, so that's a big part of the story right there. They're scoring barely a goal a game, and they're allowing four per game over the last six. They've completely given back that four-game winning streak they had before Christmas, and the hopes of being in the postseason this year are fading extremely quickly. I, I mean, they're pretty dim to begin with. It's a, it's a long shot, but this was an ugly one. 5-1 Dallas takes it. They grabbed control in the first period with their top line doing tons of damage. Sagan, Ben, and Radulov each had a goal. Dallas added another one in the second period. Cam Talbot given the mercy hook in this one. Al Montoya went the rest of the way. His first appearance as an Edmonton Oiler. Dreisaitl got a power play goal early in the third. How about this? Game 42 for the Edmonton Oilers. Dreisaitl's first power play goal of the season. John Klingberg, excellent defenseman for the Dallas Stars, added one more. 5-1 the final. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown, thanks for joining us this afternoon. It is 3.54, Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. The Oilers are 18-21-3 on the season, and uh, Rob, really over that six-game stretch, I have mentioned uh, nothing really working for the Edmonton Oilers. Well, if you want to take it a little... Smaller dose. The last four games, they've been outscored 16 to two in the last four games. Yeah. And this is a team right now that's desperate to make the playoffs. That's desperate for points. And of those four games, three of them were on home ice. Nothing's going right for them right now. The uh, their offensive players have dried up. The mental mistakes have compounded. Uh, nothing against Cam Talbot in in the way he played today, but. They're just not getting the save. And it's, I don't know if there's any of those goals you could say he should have had, and they sh- he sh- there weren't, but there's no any game-saving saves that can change the tide in a hockey game. So it's everything is going wrong right now for this Edmonton Oilers team. And you say fast, fast-falling playoff hopes. I mean, this road trip, if I they mean, don't... It was under 2% coming into today, <laughs> yes. if you go by that, that site I like True. to use, which is just one site, but still, we, but we know how difficult it is. It, and, now, and they got four more tough games on this road trip. And it used to be, there used to be teams that you could say, all right, well, you know, we can mark down two points here, or we can mark down two. These ones are going to be tougher, but there's no teams that you can say there's going to be an easy two against. You know, the, 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 the Arizona... Coyotes just beat Nashville the other night. Vegas was on this trip in first place in the conference. Chicago was struggling, just beat the Oilers last week. So it is tough. Uh, I think what is disappointing were, were the fact that three of the last four games were, were blowouts. In a, and I know that it means breaks here and there, but three blowouts in four games in games you need to win is not good enough. 
5-1 the final today. You heard Bob mention it. Seven losses by four goals or more for the Oilers in 42 games. They had two such losses in 82 games last year. So it shows you that when, when things spiral out of control for the Oilers this year, they really go bad. Uh, you can get us at 780-496-0063. And we'll get to the phone lines in just a couple minutes here. But what what do you change, Rob? I mean, is it time to, to put Dreisaitl and McDavid back together? I, I mean, we don't expect there to be a, a significant trade that's that's really going to boost the roster or, or or change the makeup. So what's McClellan going to do here on a day-by-day basis? Well, it, it goes back to what we talked about early in the season, that we talked about <laughs> 10, 15 games into the season. People kept saying we got to split the three centermen up. And I understood why that people want that, because then you can have three balanced lines. But the problem with the Oilers, and we, we've talked about it, is the Oilers do not have depth on the wings. And splitting them up, yeah, you have three three even lines, but the, the three balanced lines are not three good balanced lines. Like tonight, for example, or in in the past few games, Leon Dreisaitl, your forty-eight or sixty million dollar, whatever you're paying him right now, he's playing. He was what was it with? The, he tonight? was with Kajul and Schleppish. So Kajul and Schleppish, both two of guys, whom guys healthy were, scratches. Yeah. they're healthy scratches that haven't done nothing. Nugent Hopkins tonight was with Strom and Camilleri. Camilleri. So Camilleri is a guy that couldn't play in L.A. He's, he's at the end of his career, and uh, Strom uh, underachieved in, in Long Island. So here's you, you've got Dreisaitl and Nugent Hopkins, two players who are two of your three best players, and they're playing with guys that are not going to be able to support them the way they are. Now I know that Nugent Hopkins did not have a good game. Dreisaitl did not have a strong game, but you're asking these guys to make players that are minor league players or fourth line players into more than they're not. If I'm look what Dallas does tonight, Dallas has three incredibly talented hockey players. They put them together. And tonight, Ben Sagan and Radula well, won them the game. Won, the won them the game. I mean, the game, game was, was over. essentially over. Yeah, it it was period. over. And, and so, to me, if you want to leave Puliyarvi with McDavid, fine. Then put Dry Settle with Nugent Hopkins. Or if you want someone, uh, we get people say put Nugent Hopkins with. Give him a shot. We'll see what he looks like in the day. Good, fine. Put him with McDavid. Then put Puliyarvi with Dry Settle. But I do not think, and I've said this at the beginning of the season, and I'll, I'll say it today. I do not believe that the Oilers are deep enough on the wings at this moment in time, to have these three centermen playing on three different lines. I think you have to go with two lines and build them up, and I don't care which way you put those three players, but I think those three have to be put on two different lines instead of three. And that's on the GM that the wings aren't strong enough, in well, my opinion. Yep, yeah, you're right. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We have Cody on line one. Hey, Cody. You guys just actually hit the nail on the head of exactly what I wanted to say. Uh, yeah, we, we don't have any depth, and I don't know why we are not giving, like, put McDavid, Dreisaitl back together. I know in the beginning of the year they weren't doing as much as they did at the end of last year, but we have to load up one line. We have the best player in the world playing with a Lucic and Pugliarvi. Well, he's just the best player in the world playing with two guys that can't keep up to him. And honestly, it is so not working, and we've been losing our games very badly. We're not, we're not even competing with them. Why don't we load up, like you said, a line or two? And I don't know why we're not giving Cassian a shot with McDavid. He's one of the only guys that can probably sort of keep up to him on the ice. Yeah, I don't know about that, but I, but I think they're going to have to shuffle the lines. I, I mean, Cody, now a lot is going, going wrong as well. I mean, you got defensemen pinching at bad times. Uh, the penalty killing obviously has, has been bad, though they killed off both today. And, and, and I'm just going to play devil's advocate a bit. The, their record with the three centers split up 
until yeah. recently was better than the rest of the year. But I wonder now if Todd is going to say to heck with it. Leon, Connor, go do your thing. At least we'll scare, we'll be scary a quarter of the time or a third of the time when you're well, on the ice. And I, I think they have to do that. Like, you know, everyone's been very patient and open for it to work. And I guess all it's doing is rating what you guys just talked about. We're not deep enough. We don't have good wingers. It is on the GM. And maybe Talbot's not playing the way he was last year, which we have talked about that all year. And everyone's talked about that. But it's time to change things. He hasn't changed lines. He shuffles a, a little move here or there. But, you know, let's, let's make some big changes without doing a trade and try and see what happens. Like, And I think by loading up two lines and let the other guys just try to hold their own probably isn't a bad thing to try at this point. Like, yeah. you get worse, you're out of the playoffs. You don't get any better, you're out of the playoffs. So... Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, they can... Probably still out of the playoffs. Well, yeah, it's like we said, they got to win like two-thirds of their game, so that's going to be tough. Cody, good to hear from you. Appreciate it, man. Right on. Yeah, I mean, and and I have have difficulty lately evaluating Talbot's performance. I mean, I I, I thought he was substandard or sub-expectations early in Mm -hmm. the year. When you look at the game against Winnipeg, the game tonight... And I know, as I say it often, you have to make saves. You have to make difficult saves, but some of these are... Across the crease, you know, the guy has three quarters of the net to, to shoot at. I, I I said it after the period. I've, I felt bad for Talbot tonight. I mean, they were just flying at him. Yeah, and it was. He actually made a couple nice. It, well, it honestly, and we, we talked about it, when it was 3 nothing, it could have been 6 nothing because he made a couple big saves. The mistakes in the, in the past when the Oilers had made mistakes, they were explosions. They were huge mistakes. And then they took that out of their game, and it became they were a much better defensive team. But they've gotten back. The, the mistakes, again, are big. And a lot of it is, is coverage mistakes, guys losing their guys. We saw that a couple times tonight. And, yeah. and it's not it's not the young. It's not the Karas or, or, or the Pugliarvis. It's tonight with Nugent Hopkins a couple times. It was Clefbaum tonight. These are the players that yeah. know better than that. And I well, think, and that's – sorry, Rob, to yeah, cut you off. But, but that's another point, too, about game management, which for, for some reason has – plague them this mm-hmm. season. When Clefbaum pinched in the first period in a scoreless game, where the Oilers were actually it was okay a good game, yeah. the first 10 minutes, mm-hmm. you know, kind of actually not that much was happening in the first 10 minutes. Both teams had ineffective power plays. For Clefbaum to pinch in that situation, no reason to do it. You're down a goal with 20 seconds left? Yes. Okay, obviously. But for there, if he doesn't pinch, it's it's a two-on-two with Kajula racing back. He loses the pinch, now it's a two-on-one with Kajula trying to race back, but he's not going to be able to get back in time. Every, everything that you do on the ice has got to be risk-reward. So if Clefbaum pinches and keeps the puck in, the best it is is the puck's against the boards, and nobody... I mean, there's no huge advantage. They weren't creating a goal-scoring chance out of it. He was keeping the puck on the boards, but the, the bad part, if he misses or if the puck gets by him, it's a two-on-one, and it's uh, Sagan and, and Radulov. So that's another part of the game management. There's times when you're on the ice against the other team's fourth line, you can be a little riskier because they're not going to point. burn you. You cannot be risky when the other team's best line is on the ice because when you make a mistake, they make you pay. 5-1, Dallas takes it to the Oilers this afternoon. We have Greg on hey. line three. Greg, we're going to finish the play with you, but first, go ahead. Well, that was a pretty close game, hey, boys? That was uh, pretty tight, right? So, well, um, for 10 minutes, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, it was 0-0 at the start of the game, so that's nice. Um, but um, I've watched uh, the Oilers as long as I can remember, like even in their decade of darkness, um, watched every single game, uh, went to games, paid good money for tickets, and, and you know, it was frustrating. But this year, um, I, I feel for myself, is is more frustrating 
um, than any of the years in Decade of Darkness, just because of the the players they have. Because um, you expected uh, what, a little more. Their, well, what their potential could be, and 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 realistically, like, can we decline the power play? Like, is that an option now or or not? Because it would it it probably be beneficial for the Oilers. So, but it is frustrating here to see this team. I'll still support them. I'll still watch the game. I'll still go to the games. Um, and I don't count them out yet until they're actually out. Out. I will always um, have faith in them. So, Greg, I appreciate you. Ready to finish the play? Yes, sir. All right. We're looking to give you an eight-day parking pass to Jet Set U Park, courtesy Jet Set Parking Park. Cheap and easy. Visit JetSetParking.com. Mathot came back, and now a block shot, and here come the Stars. Breakaway, Radulov, backhander denied by Cam Talbot. Okay, Radulov racing in in the first period resulted in a penalty. Which oiler took the penalty? Was it Sekera or Kara? I'm going to let my daughter finish this. Is it Sekera or Kara, Haley? Pick one. You want to say Sekera? My daughter wants to say Sekera. She is absolutely right. Greg, hang on the line so we can get your info. Okay, buddy? Yeah. All right, that's Greg and Haley winning finish the play. She's pretty good. She knows what she's talking about. That was just as just as an uh, an, an, an aside here, just a little rule thing, Rob, because we were wondering, will that be a penalty shot? Generally, if a guy gets a shot away, uh, they don't give a penalty shot. Personally, I'd like to see that changed. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I I like penalty if shots. You foul, if you get if you foul a guy from behind, yeah. You well, know, then it may, takes takes the the referee having to think about it. It's a foul. It's a pa- breakaway. It's a penalty shot. Yeah, because sometimes it'll be like you'll partially fan yeah. and you'll nudge it wide, and they'll say, "Well, he still attempted a shot," whereas really he he didn't. Uh, the Oilers actually killed that off. That was an early chance for Radulov, who was outstanding today. Uh, what we have: Radulov getting three points, Sagan three points, Klingberg three points, Yanmark. Two points. Oh, Ben, Ben, part of that line, wound up with a goal. Didn't get any assists. But Dallas dominant today, especially in the first period. 5-1. Your final. Okay. Fred is on line, too. 780-496-0063. Go ahead, Fred. Hey, how you guys doing good today? Yeah, we're doing okay. How's your day? Um, It's fantastic. Hey, uh, off topic for a second. Read heavy metal radios coming to Edmonton. I'll leave it at that. I'll talk to you during the week. Okay, I'll look it up, sure. But, uh... Wow, we got to do something about that first line. Look at Dallas's first line. There is no comparison out there. And where's the effort, boys? Like, there's no effort. And you look on the farm. Who do we have to bring up? Even nothing well, really. No, nobody who's going to come nothing up. Nothing at all. Time. And I know yeah. that's. But I'm just saying, like, we got to seriously stock the cupboards. But uh, I think you get Drysaddle back in that first line. Lucic cannot keep up to McDavid at all. Uh, they got to get that first line going. And Rob. Beautiful point. Let's stack two lines, see what happens. Because, honestly, they're not going to make the playoffs. I can't see this team going 8 out of 10. No, it's it's unlikely. Uh, Fred, thanks for calling. And I think, um, again, I'm not... uh, Fans should be really frustrated. I don't know... I know when they lose this bad, it looks like the effort. I don't know if they decided to become a lazy team, but as we talked about, there's mental errors, and I do I do think they're rattled. Oh, like, yes. I, I don't I don't know if it's I don't know if it's a lack of effort, but it's darn sure a lack of confidence. It's a lack of confidence. It's a whole lot of frustration. Uh, I think now there's some indecision. Um, I, you saw that on a couple of the goals where they, the Oilers would have their man, and then. 
do I stay with him? Do I not go? And then all of a sudden that man's wide open and gets an open net. So, yeah, uh, yeah I don't. I, again, I don't think it is a lack of effort. I just think uh, when you lack confidence and frustration sets in, then you're you, you just start, you don't play smart. And I think right now the Oilers may be playing hard, but they certainly aren't playing smart. Yeah. And it's that's causing all the problems. So there, there's you could you could it's probably actually better to play smart than hard because if you play smart, at least you're in the right position all the time. Yep. When you're playing hard, but you're you're running around, or when you're not knowing where you're supposed to be, when you're making silly mistakes, then that's when you create the chances for the other team. In Dallas tonight, we talked about at the beginning of the game. Dallas has guys that will make you pay when you make a mistake, and the others, all the mistakes they made were against the the Dallas the, Stars' yeah, best players. Best so that's when you have to play conservative, and they didn't. Yeah, and, and you feel and I look there. I know there's a point where we have to stop talking about last year because it takes on a life of its own. But it's the only good year the Oilers have had in the last 11 and a half. And when the Oilers gave up the first goal last year, it wasn't great because you often don't win when you're scored on first, but you felt like, okay. Mm-hmm. You no, know, they'll, they'll, like, now when it's one nothing, even if there's still 58 minutes left in the game, I'm thinking, uh-oh, this could, this could really get out of hand. And it's happening way too often. It, it is. And, I mean, there's a lot of things. I mean, the first thing, and we've talked about it too, is, is Cam Talbot. There were games last year when it did not matter what they threw at Cam Talbot, you thought there was no way they were going to score. They just couldn't. And he would be sensational. Night after night after night, you say, oh, we're going to win. I mean, Talbot's on his game. And again, it's not as though Talbot, Talbot is letting in weak goals because there are no weak goals. And a lot of them are they're not even average goals getting in, beating them right now. But Cam Talbot is, is not coming. Like the, the opening goal, the, the two-on-one, goes all the way across to Radulov. Last year, that hits Cam Talbot. This year, it's not hitting him. It's hitting him and going in instead of hitting him and staying out. So the big mistakes aren't being covered up like they were last year. And you were starting to see uh, that maybe last year there was a bit of an aberration. Maybe they weren't as good as they were, as their record showed. But I know that they're certainly better than they are right now, and they're a team that's lacking confidence that needs to find it very, very quickly. It's 4-11-5-1 Dallas taking it to the Oilers this afternoon. Uh, NFL playoffs underway. Kansas City got a late touchdown in the first half, 21-3 up on Tennessee. So they're looking good so far in that one. We'll get more of your phone calls coming up in a couple of minutes. Let's go back to Dallas. Here's Oilers head coach Todd McClellan. Out of game, but was it just that sort of that one line and that little window in the first period that really made the difference despite all the effort put in to come back in this game? Well, we didn't have an answer for that line. They, uh, they scored just about every way they could except for on the power play, and they uh, they create a lot of havoc for us in our end um, scored on a lot of lateral plays from the corner to the net front so we were poor in that area and uh, when you don't have an answer for the team's top players and you think of it Connor and and Leon if teams can't shut them down uh, you have a tough time winning and, and we didn't have that tonight when you look at Al Montoya coming in I mean a difficult situation but under the circumstances did quite well that was it's difficult but maybe the best um, you know, for him as, as an individual, um, not a lot of time to think about things. I thought for a, a goaltender that hasn't played uh, in a little while and he's just come to a brand new environment, uh, I thought he played well and made some uh, some sharp saves, uh, controlled the game back there. He knew when to freeze it, when not to. Um, so that was a positive. You guys have like two goals in, in four games or something. They have a lot of players here that should be able to score. They're just not getting it done when you need it. What changes can you make or what has to be done well, to, it's, to get that going? You know, that's the obvious, and, and the math is right. Um, yet right now we're generating some chances, and the puck's not going in the net. Um, 
you know, we've we've gone through phases where we've had fewer chances and scored many more goals. So, um, you know, I don't know if it's a phase for us offensively. Obviously, we've got to get a little harder. And I think our back end, quite frankly, from the blue line, can do a better job of uh, of managing the puck and getting shots through and creating for our forwards. We do a, a good job at times to keep plays alive. It gets up to the top and it can't die there. We've got to get more from that area. And the easy ones that are giving up those backdoor tap-ins, I mean, they're a good enough line as it was with those two. Yeah, like I said, we didn't have an answer for them. It was miscommunication in our zone. Um, a couple times it was when our wingers got caught down low and our center up high, and um, they looked a little lost there, which they shouldn't be at this time. A number of those players have played enough in the league right now to, to understand what their jobs are. So uh, that's disappointing, but... Um, we get on to Chicago now. We've got to put this behind us and, and move ahead. Is that the hard part? I mean, you, you thought you had to go on like there was so many positive signs out of Anaheim and then to come back. And, and we've seen that well, a few times where you play a good game, follow it up with a bomb. Well, not a bomb, but uh, not a not a win. And, um, you know, a loss is not something that we can afford right now. Thanks. Well, no, they can't, especially not uh, five of their last six they have lost, one, four, and one. One of them was in overtime to Chicago, who they play tomorrow. One goal today, that means a $25 donation to the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation from Booster Juice, an oasis of freshness in a fast-paced world. Total for the year, up to $2,900. $25 every time the Oilers score. 5-1, Dallas taking it to the Oilers today. Three goals in the first period. You can get Rob and I, 780-496-0063. We have Spider on the line. Is that a nickname, or did your parents have a sense of humor when they named you? <laughs> a sense of humor. <laughs> okay. Sense of humor. Go ahead, buddy. <laughs> guys, what I want to know is the defense. What happened to um, guys like... Uh, we have Davidson. I think he sh- he's a heavy player, but we have Benning and Russell making a whole bunch of mistakes back there, I find. I find the D is not playing like they're supposed to, but even Larson is not shooting the puck to net. He's always shooting the puck around the net for for somebody to pick it up on the other side. Yeah. Just release it. Yeah. Well, Larson obviously isn't an overly offensive player, but question about Davidson possibly coming in because he can play a, a bit of a heavier game on the puck. I mean, Davidson had his chance. He didn't play as well last game. Uh, Davidson is a number 70. They can play as a number 6 at times. Uh, Russell Russell's had a good year. I mean, on the back end, he's probably been, outside of Darnell Nurse, uh, the most consistent defenseman the others have had this year. I think Nurse has been by far their best. Uh, as for Benning, I thought ben, I mean, Benning was fine tonight. I don't know if anyone on the back end had special nights. Uh, Davidson is always an option to put in the lineup, but I, I, I guarantee you putting Davidson in the lineup isn't going to make a difference in the Oilers' record over the last five or six games. This is more than just one sixth defenseman or one fourth-line player. This is a, something from top to bottom. Uh, do we give Montoya the fourth star just because we got to give it to somebody? Yeah, why not? He played pretty good when he went in there. He's the fourth star for Missioner Allen Auctioneering. Check out maauctions.com for industrial and automotive sale dates. Uh, Talbot given the mercy pull, four goals on 19 shots. Montoya stopped 13 of 14. Made a couple good saves and, yep. again, pretty much an open shot on the one that uh, got by him. Oilers lose 5-1. You'll hear from Connor McDavid. More time for your calls. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Now, from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chan. 
right, thanks a lot for uh, tuning in. Rob and I were just talking about Tom Brady's diet book during the commercial. Might have been more entertaining to read than most of the Oilers game today. It is a 5-1 Dallas victory. The Oilers sink to 18-21-3 on the season. Dallas bumps their record up to 24-16-3. 12 points up on the Oilers now. Our face-off trivia question was, which Dallas Stars assistant coach was WHL MVP in 88-89? Chris knew that it was Stu Barnes and gets a $50 gift card to Buffet Royale Carvery from Armour Insurance. Protect your car, home, and business with Armour at armorinsurance.ca. So you played with Barnes in... Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Yeah, he was my roommate for a while. Would Have you overlapped as opponents in the WHL, or were you just finished? I think I would have been gone when he, before he started. I think I was, my first year in the NHL was 87. So I, I don't think Stewie was in the Western Hockey League then. Okay. I think he was, I think he actually, didn't he play for the Saints? Yeah, I think he played in yeah, the AJHL. Yeah, I think AJHL. he was AJHL yeah. and then WHL. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I always loved the guys who played in the AJ. Yeah, he, yeah, he was a very good AJHL <laughs> the player. The guy too. who covered it for seven, seven seasons. <laughs> That was a good league. It's a good league. It, it is a very it's good league. still a pretty good league. I got a lot of buddies, kids that have gone through there. A lot of kids through my academy have gone through that league. It's good hockey. You get a lot of uh, smaller skilled guys, right? Because the WHL wants the bigger skilled guys, right? So the AJHL, you get some pretty quick creative players in that league. So. Yeah, some very good. And, and the guys that want to go into college. There's a really nice kid that's uh, out of Kalahu, uh Ian Mitchell, who was in my academy. And he's gone on to Denver. And I believe that's where, is it? Who's, oh, Todd's, Todd's son. McClellan there. has a son His there. son there, yep. and he's playing. they got a very good team again this year at Denver. So, yeah, no, it is a good league. And, I, well, uh, Matt Benning, he played in the AJHL yep. as well. So a lot of good players have gone through there. All right, we got AJ on line five. Hello, AJ. Hey. I just want to have a little uh, little rant here about the Oilers, if that's okay, real quick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, first off, Cody called in, and he is talking about Maroon and uh, Lucic playing with McDavid, and I I totally agree. Those guys are so slow. Like Lucic might have had the speed back in the day, but he's got nothing now, and he's always way behind the play. They need to put Zach Cassian up there. Also, too, this is about the third time they played Dallas, where I seen Hamuse have his way with McDavid and try to do stuff to him. Like they put Maroon and Lucic out there, not just to score, but for their size. So that stuff doesn't happen. If they, I bet you if they had Cassian out there, there's no damn way Hamus is doing that because Cassian's going to come over there and make it right. Also, too, this team needs to restructure the role players. These guys are too comfortable, not doing nothing, not showing up for games. They're not hitting. They're not skating. They're not even playing their positions properly. Let's trade Clefbaum, the one who's been pinching and making tons of mistakes all year, who's not playing like a pro, to some team for three or four good role players that can help build this team up better so it's more depth. I couldn't agree more with putting Dreisaitl and McDavid on the same line, too, and setting Lucic back with uh, Nugent Hopkins. And that's all I got to say, guys. I'm very upset today. I saw a lackluster effort, no effort, a crappy game. I saw two guys going hard out there, and that was McDavid and Dreisaitl. The rest? Riding the bus. All right. And Thanks, AJ. Thanks, AJ. Appreciate it. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three five one. Dallas wins it. Let's go back to Dallas, and here's Captain Connor McDavid.
Just got beat by a, a good team that worked hard and, and outworked us. Uh, actually, I shouldn't even say they outworked us. I thought the first period they came out strong. They were good. They made their plays. Um, you know, I thought uh, you know, the work ethic was there. Just a couple of mental mistakes that uh, end up in the back of the net. Is this more disheartening because it looked like you guys were onto something in the Anaheim game? We've answered that question so many times. So I'm not going to answer it anymore. Um, you know, obviously, it's a good win at home against Anaheim. Big win that we needed and uh, you know, looking for a better start on the road. But we didn't get it. Um, you know, and, uh, and, we'll, and we'll keep going. I, I got nothing else to say about that. Um, you know, big one tomorrow against Chicago, and, and uh, we'll keep going from there. There are a lot of guys on this team who can score, but uh, two goals in four games is just not is not good enough. What has to change in order to, to get the offense going? Yeah, and I don't think it's a lack of effort either. I think you know we've created our chances. I've said that all along throughout this kind of stretch, and. Um, you know, we've created our chances. We just got to bear down. Uh, you know, even tonight we had a few rebounds sitting there and, and plays in around the net that we got to bear down. But give them credit. They did a great job defending tonight. Uh, sometimes that's going to happen as well. So, um, well, like you said, we got a lot of good players who can score, and we just haven't been, and uh, we got to find a way to. All right, Connor McDavid, a little more... Uh, animated? Animated than, than usual. Frustration. Yeah, well... I mean, the, the expectations. What's he going to say? Like, let's yeah. give up? Like, yeah. No, the expectations were so high for this team that uh, and I think they were almost unattainable. I, I think when you start talking at the beginning of the season, this is a Stanley Cup team. I think that the bar was set way, way too high for the team so that anything below that was going to be failure and and where they are is complete and utter failure. So it, it is tough. And, this is, and actually, this is one of the reasons that I think that they held on as long as they could to make Connor the captain. It's just the pressure of having to step out every single game and explain what went wrong. And even in games when Connor is excellent and played great, he's got to come out and explain why they lost again. And, and, and it's frustrating and it's hard. And it's hard on a young player. So it's part of the job, but not a fun part of the job. Let, let's just quickly address something here that the last caller brought up and a few people have asked about. And, and you know, I've, I've said when the, the, the team's doing this bad, I, I don't know if there's any opinion that y- you can say is... Is, is, is way off base because there's obviously several things going wrong. But said that, does, does putting Cassian on McDavid's line make any sense to you, Rob? No, I don't think he's... I think he's a third, fourth line player at best. Okay. I think he's had chances in, in Vancouver and he, he'll, he'll have a, a burst like any player will have when they get to play with a star. They'll have a burst and then they'll fall back into what they are, and he's a third or fourth line player. He could, right. And he could be an effective one. Yeah. He hasn't been as of late. All right, we got our old buddy Jared on the line. Hey, Jared. Hi, Reed, Bob. I just got a, a quick comment and a question for both of you. And you you look at the, at the end of last year and uh, how well the Oilers did, and they had last year they had a 7-6, and six, I think, first 13 games. But this year, Las Vegas has come out of nowhere. Everybody thought Los Angeles was, was washed up, and they're back to their old form. Dallas is an excellent team. Colorado is very good. Winnipeg, the Oilers swept them last year. Now the Oilers can't beat them. But no one could have foresaw that coming. So even if the Oilers would have started 7-6 and six this year, you would have to question if they were going to make the playoffs because now there's six teams in their conference that are much, much better than they were last year. So do you really think they're going to be able to play at a 666 clip to make the playoffs? I would never say that it's not possible, but the Oilers haven't improved. All the other teams are better. And even like Chicago, Nashville, St. Louis, Minnesota, Anaheim, San Jose, those teams, those teams are also tough. 
So how are the Oilers? They're they're a good team, but they're just in the middle of the pack with everybody. And even last, the other game in Anaheim, I didn't watch today's game, but I watched the Anaheim game. Anaheim did not play well. Like they had their A game against Vancouver, but they were they were really poor in the first period, and they still managed to get a point out of the Oilers. But my question is, this is with Connor McDavid is. At what point, Rob, because you, you played with Lemieux and Superstars, at what point do you think he's almost trying to take it too much as an individual, too much trying to do it to himself, that it all it can somewhat be like dysfunctional in the team where they're just, well, we'll wait, wait for Connor to do it instead of a team effort? Well, I mean, it, it's the frustration comes into the game and it will come into Connor's game, but I think. I honestly, that's a tough question. I, I I don't know. I think I hope they're not sitting around waiting for Connor to do something. Like that's not really a that's not a good formula. No, no, it's not. Um, and I, I, this team is is frustrated from top to bottom, and I don't think they're waiting for any certain player to do it for them. Um, I just honestly, I'm at a loss right now as why they're playing as poorly as they are I it was this is not a team that I thought was going to win the conference or win the division but this was a team that I thought was going to be comfortably in the playoffs yeah and there's so many players and the re, and Reed you asked me at the beginning of the season why I thought they weren't going to be as good and I said a lot of players last year had career years and it's hard to duplicate a career year so I thought they were going to come back to the fold a little bit but some of them have come back and they've crashed and I'm like okay if they come back that far I mean, why? What is, what is the and, reason? And, and players who you hoped you get a little bit more from actually haven't even, haven't even done that. If we're talking about Kajula and Slepeshev again, right? Well, yeah. Yeah, well, then those were the two that people at the beginning, well, these are top six players. And I, and I never saw that in them because they've never scored at any level. They've never been big-time scores. For them to all of a sudden to be a goal scorer that's going to play with Dreisler or a goal scorer that's going to play with McDavid, I didn't know where you could see that, and I think they were overestimated at what they were capable of doing. All right, the Oilers lose 5-1 today to Dallas. More time for your phone calls after the 4.30 news and weather. Quick look at the Advantage Trailer Rentals out-of-town scoreboard. One other NHL game is final. Flyers beat the Blues 6-3. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. Live from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio, 6.30 chair. Thanks a lot for joining us. It's 4.32. The Oilers' five-game road trip starts with a thud, beaten 5-1 by the Dallas Stars. Dallas getting three goals from their top line in the first period. To go up 3-0, the rest of the game merely a formality. Leon Dreisaitl had Edmonton's only goal, a power play goal. How about this? Game 42 for Edmonton. Dreisaitl gets his first power play goal of the season. The Stars win the season series against the Oilers two games to one with the home team winning every game. The Japanese Village goal light gets turned on on the Oilers page on 630ched.com whenever the Oilers score five or more in a game. We haven't seen it for a while, but when they do hit that that mark you can go print up a coupon for a free appetizer to Japanese Village three locations in Edmonton downtown south side and north side again over the Oilers last six they have one win they've been outscored 24-8 
in their last six games. We'll get to more of your phone calls in uh, about two minutes here, but let's go back to Dallas. The newest Oiler got put in net today. Here's Al Montoya. Only their career, but but uh, otherwise, it's tough. You can you can see they got we got a fun team. Uh, they skate hard. It's just play the right way and uh, get some success. For myself, it was it was fun to be playing hockey again. You know, it was a long a long road back, and I'm just happy to be back. Was the schedule for you tomorrow, or did they tell you that far in advance, or were you a bit of surprised to, that you're already in this quickly? <laughs> Given your injury, Al, and, and getting right back in there, being thrown to a fire, how did you feel physically and mentally? Yeah, I mean, like I said, it was a long road back. I haven't had much time to skate, but I feel good, which is which goes a long way. So it was, I was excited to get back in there, start playing hockey again. Just tough outcome, but for myself, I, it, it was a big plus. That's a bit of a fine line you have to walk between being excited to get in there and then the situation right. that wasn't ideal. For sure. Them. I mean, and then it's my job, you know, and I, I love to win, and so do all the guys in this room. So uh, that's the first hat you throw on. You go in there and you, you just try to calm things down and give the team a chance again. What's your overall feelings on, on coming here and, and this, this latest chapter in, in your career? Yeah, it's quick. I, I don't even know. Two days ago, it happened two days ago, and... I look at it as another opportunity. I, I, I know I've got a lot to give, and uh, I'm excited to uh, and take it one day at a time. So Talbot started. He was uh, pulled after allowing four goals on 19 shots. Montoya makes his Oiler debut. That's our adjustment of the game for the Alberta College and Association of Chiropractors. If it hurts, see a chiropractor. Visit albertachiro.com with Montoya being activated. That means that Laurent Brassois has been put on waivers. He will likely clear and then uh, be assigned to the Bakersfield Condors. We'll know for sure at 10 o'clock tomorrow morning. All right, 780-496-0063. We have Hermit on line three. Hermit, go ahead. Hey, guys. Uh, my uh, comment is uh, this whole season reminds me of uh, your your interview with Tony Twist where he, he commented about motivation and getting inspired to play yep and i don't i just don't see it here well there's been a lot of games they've started poorly for sure and first of all thanks for listening to that and and remembering it and and tony said because we have often have a debate whose whose job is it to make sure players are motivated for game for games rob's argument and tony's argument was that it's up to the individual player to do it his or her own way, regardless of the sport. I, I totally agree. Yeah. Thanks, Herbert. We appreciate you calling. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We're going to bring Matt onto the show. Go ahead, Matt. Hey, how you guys doing? Doing pretty well. Um, I think. Uh, Rob kind of hit the nail on the head when he said uh, players had career years last year. Um, for example, Talbot played in 86 games last year. It's almost like playing two years in one. So I think his recovery time, he needed a lot more than just an offseason to come back. So for somebody who's going to think he's going to have the same type of year, it ain't going to happen. Maroon, 27 goals. McDavid, 100 points. None of those are happening. And uh, maybe the Oilers are what they are. And well, uh, Shirelli, if he's still here, might have to blow it up a little bit. And uh, and that's how the team goes forward. Yeah, well, they're going to have to improve depth on the wings. Now, I think Pugliarvi's continued development will help there. Um, 
You think maybe someday Yamamoto's going to be a decent player? I wouldn't count on that next year, necessarily. So, yeah, he's going to have to find some solutions there. I, I, I mean, given his UFA status, I, I would doubt Maroon will be back. And I'd be saying that even if he had 15 goals in, instead of nine. Lucic is obviously going to be here for, for a while. But they're, they're going to need some more finishing ability on the, on the wings for sure. No, I, I agree. I, I think that the I still believe right now that the Oilers' best winger is Leon Dreisaitl. I don't think there's another winger at this current time that is good as him on the wing, and that's that's tough for the Oilers because he also would be your second best centerman. Yeah, but they just don't have the the depth on the wings. It is something that we talked about at the beginning of the season that was, we didn't think was addressed in the summer. I yeah. think they hope that Kajula, they hope that Slepeshev, they hope that Strom. It's and turned out worse come. than we thought, yep. though. Oh, for yeah. sure. I think worse than most people thought. Uh, I not, not to argue with Matt, McDavid still might get 100 points. He's got 47 yeah. and 42. I, I wouldn't rule him out to to sneak up there. But yeah, fair, fair enough for sure. A lot of guys are did really well last year and aren't quite or any well in some cases not quite in some cases nowhere near the level that we were hoping they'd get back to all right derek on the line 7804960063 hello derek yes how's it going hey we're doing okay thanks for calling good hey um just in the power play like every time i see the best you go just it's just frustrating i mean i love the main drive and i don't know third period i'm not sure i, I didn't see much in the third but I saw him out there. Uh, did they have Priyarvi with him on the power play as well on the left? Or no? On the Mc- Derek, you cut out there a little bit on the yeah, on the, the McDavid, McDavid unit on the on the right side. He had dry settle, right? They had dry settle up front with Nugent Hopkins. Yeah, it was the same as last game the with Latestu, McDavid, yeah. and Sacker Sack, on the point yeah. on the power play. Yes. Yeah. Why wouldn't they try Priyarvi with McDavid and dry settle? They well two one timer options. I know. Uh, well, yeah, is he a right? He's a right shot, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. So. Well, I think they've they, the the difference that they've done now, the change they've made. I, I do like with McDavid on the opposite side. He's feeding Drysaddle for one timers. I do like that because Drysaddle does have a bomb, and he scored tonight on a one timer. Uh, eventually, you're going to get Maroon back, so Lucic or Maroon will move back to that one power play. I believe Nugent Hopkins will move back to his own power play, and he's the one that's supposed to be feeding the puck across to Pugliarvi. Eventually, I don't know when, but I agree, eventually Pugliarvi will move on to the number one power play unit. I don't know when it's going to happen, but it will. And I think, uh, I understand the questions about Latestu. I think he's going to be on one of your two units, though, simply because he's not afraid to shoot the puck. And, I mean, if you talk about depth on the wings, who do you really... Do you put Kajula ahead of him? Do you put Slepeshev ahead of him? Do you put Cassian ahead of him? Like, he's probably going to be on one of the two. Who's that? Latestu. Uh, well, yeah. Well, yeah, because he's got a track record. The other guys don't. And the thing is, he wins face-off on the opposite side because he's the, r- the right-handed face-off guy. Uh, he'll be, I, I mean, to me, it'd be a flip-flop of Pugliarvi and Latestu is what, you're, right. what the power play flip-flop will be. Eventually. I, I don't know when they're going to do it, but I mean, I, I think they were happy with the, the way it looked tonight with McDavid feeding Drysaddle. And Drysaddle, he, he will shoot the puck when he's put in a position to shoot, and he's on, in a position now. Yeah, and he does have a good shot. He does, yeah. And he, and he a heavy isn't, shot. isn't afraid to one-time it. Yep. I mean, he tried a couple one-timers in overtime against Anaheim. So. Yeah, no, I, I agree. So, I mean, they, they are trying to do some things. It'll be interesting, though, when Maroon comes back, if they do take RNH off that unit, make him his own unit again. All right, Cam is on the line. Go ahead, Cam. Hey, boy. How's she going? Rough day, hey? 
It was a yeah, little rough. They got yeah. Whipped. Yeah, so, um, well, like, I kind of try to stay, I try to stay rational. I'm fairly rational. I've talked with you guys for years here. So the big thing is, and I know, like, we have no bearing on anything. I know people lose touch with reality that we talk about things here and it makes changes and stuff. But, like, some of the things that I've been talking about here since day one this year, and, and I, I'm, not, I'm not ripping you guys, but they've been dismissed. Like, I came early and I talked about the goaltending and it was dismissed like, yeah, but he's our goal. He's going to be here. Which, I mean, I'm sure you guys are just deferring to what you think will happen with the organization. But, like, the guys let in 23 goals on 150 shots. Like, I don't care. It'd be like Aaron Judge going up to the plate and hit, and, and hitting six home runs in a season or having a 206 batting average. Like, you can break it down and say that, yeah, but he faced this many pitchers and, you know, opposing managers adjusted to him but at some point in time those numbers don't work same thing with you know we talked i've talked about effort quite a bit and a lot of times we talk about it it's like yeah you're going to run out of players and so like that's fine so it's 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 effort it's goaltending at times but not that big a deal i guess so is it coaching like like what are we doing here like we're chasing we're chasing we're 10 points out or eight points out whatever we're out like what are we doing? Well, what if it's this? What if it's this, Cam? What if last year, Talbot, because of how great he played, and he did, and Todd McClellan, because of how great he coached, coached and goaltended a team that's not very good into the playoffs? What if this year is really an indication of what this team really is? And last year was an aberration that never should have happened, but their goaltender was so good and their coach was so good that they made the playoffs just strictly on the backs of those two guys. For sure, and and I guess the que- the answer to that question is, if that's their ceiling, if their ceiling with this particular group of players is that our coach has to be that good, and our goaltender has to be that good, this is probably a group. Because I agree with you on the aberration part. I'm I, I never got sucked in. I never got hooked on this thing at all. I'm just saying that, like, if that's the ceiling of this group of players, is that your goaltender has to stand on his head, and your coach has to coach his you know what off to get into a second round of the playoffs, what are what are we clinging to here? And then it would bring the, bring the next level. Like we put this thing together, or they put it together, and and it's clearly not working. So do we just keep riding this thing out? Like I'm always going to be a fan. No, of can't listen, listen. It, it, and here's the thing, though, and, we, and we've said this before, and we and we we're not dismissing things you've said earlier, but most of the team building gets built in the summer, right? Yeah, so if the Oilers like. If if you really, if you really don't think Cam Talbot should be a number one goalie in the NHL, and you strongly believe that, I'm not going to f- fight with you to change your mind. But that change is not getting made on January 6, 2016 or 2018. That change is getting made between the end of the Stanley Cup Final and likely July 15th. So that's why we're telling you, Talbot's going to play, and they got to hope he plays better or closer to what he did last year. So. Do you, do you get to that point then where you strip it down and you say, you know what, we're going we're gonna to move guys? Because there's guys on this team that can be moved for assets potentially. I mean, at some point in time, you have to ask yourself, have you overdriven your headlights and are you in a position where you just strip this thing down and, and you know, deal with the inevitable now as well, opposed to dealing with the summer? Do you no, not, nothing's going to happen that's major 
for this team until the end of the season when they take a look back and see, okay, here's what our expectations were. Here's where we ended up. Why were we here? What do we have to change? Is it a GM problem? Is it a coach problem? Is it a player problem? Is it a goalie problem? And then you start to address it. To address it right now, uh, it's almost impossible because of the salary cap, because of not only the Oilers' salary cap, but the other team's salary cap. And when you make a trade nowadays, you're not, not just making a trade a player for a player. You're trading a contract for a contract. And that contract's not just for the remainder of this year. It's how is it going to affect next year's contract and the next one and the next salary cap because the salary cap goes up and down and stuff like that. So if you're talking about blowing things up, and I don't believe that's going to happen, but if they do not make the playoffs and if they go on the way they're going, there's going to be major changes. That's going to have to happen in between, as Reed said, between the Stanley Cup Finals and just after the draft into the free agency because you're just not going to be able to do it now and get what you need. Right. So you're saying that you're going to go into, you'll make a rational decision, you'll make a rash decision going to diminish returns. Do you guys think, I, I mean, I don't know what you can say, has, is, is there any case to be made that regardless of Todd McClellan being a great human being and great, being a great hockey coach, that it's not working with him? Is there a case to be made for that? I, I, I think he's a good coach. I, I really do. And I think that if this is an organization, what did Bob say? He's had seven coaches in 10 years. So, I mean, it can't always be the coach's fault. It, it just can't. So I think Todd is a good coach. Now, having said that, at the end of the season, the top guy is Bob Nicholson. He's going to look down and say, all right, did my GM do a good enough job? Do I want to keep my GM? And if he says yes, well, then the GM's going to look down. Okay, my coach, is he good enough? Did he do a good enough job? If he says yes, well, then you look at the players. And if anyone says no, well, then that's a whole set of dominoes. If it's a new GM, well, then it's a new coach probably and new players. But I, I, I think they wait the season out. I think they have belief still in this team, that this team can turn it around and put it in the right direction. And they're going to wait and see how it ends up at the end of the year, and then they'll make their decisions. That's why I called. That's why I called. I called with a question. So thanks for you guys taking the time for me. I appreciate it. Okay. See you, Camp. We got Al on the line as well. Oilers lose 5-1. Go ahead, Al. How are you guys doing? Doing okay. <clears throat> good, good. Um, I kind of agree with you, Rob. I, 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 I do think that the Oilers are not as good as, <clears throat> as they were as everybody expected them to be. And I think reality is, is really bit them. And uh, um, the other comment I have, too, is, though, um, I, I just don't see any structure in their game, their breakout patterns. Uh, their, um, you know, they can't keep the puck in their own end at times. They don't forecheck properly. They don't backcheck properly. Do you guys think that there's something that uh, are they not listening? Are they tuning the coaches out? Or, you know, it just seems like they're, they're all over the ice. They don't play their positions properly. Um, you know, I, I, I just see a scrambling attitude in their, in their game. Now, is it just me or do you guys kind of feel the same way that there doesn't seem to be a structure like left wing is, 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 plays the left wing, right play, wing plays the right wing, center is between the two dots, and you play that simplified game, and they just seem to get away from that, and it gets so complicated that sometimes players are doing too much, which ends up being that they're not doing enough. Right. Uh, a good, lost in yeah, it's a good question. Yeah, that's a good point. And a lot of the teams in the NHL, it used to be 
center played down low in your own ends and your left wing always was on his side, right wing was always on that his own side. It's different nowadays in the National Hockey League. It's a lot more, it is a lot more complicated. The players should know how to do it. They've been doing it for, for years at all the highest levels. You look around the National Hockey League, most teams have more or less the same structure, the same style of play. There's not a whole lot of secrets out there. I think right now the biggest thing I've seen with the Oilers is indecisiveness. And that is a lot of it through lack of confidence. And the lack of confidence is things aren't going right for them. And they're just not strong enough willed maybe. I don't know. But the the decision making has not been good as of late. And the decisions that they've made that have been wrong have ended up in the back of their net. Yeah, and it's frustrating because they did look pretty organized against Anaheim. Yeah. You know, and okay, sure, maybe Anaheim didn't play as great. Like, uh, I think it was Jared that said that. But you can only play the team that lines up against you that night. So that, to me, that's the the biggest frustrating thing is that you look at them some nights and say, mm-hmm. like, yep, that's maybe not a great team, but that's a decent team. And then you you look at today's game and the Winnipeg game and you're like, what what have they played hockey before? Well, and that's when you get a team that's not as good as you thought, is that the consistency's not there. Uh, good teams will have bad nights yet they don't have a lot of them. Average teams, you just don't know what you're getting each and every night, and I think the Edmonton Oilers right now are an average team at best. All right, Clayton on line two. Hello, Clayton. Hey, how's it going? Yeah. Good, thanks for calling. Yeah, just, uh, yeah, I totally agree with you there. You know, these uh, these guys, they're just, uh, some nights say it's like there's no accountability. They're, they're letting guys get behind them, and, and uh, there's, it's like they've never played the game before, you know, as a defenseman, you should know. He just If you're going to pinch, if you're not sure that you're going to be getting that puck at least deep and in behind the net, you don't let anybody get behind you. And it just seems every night I'm, I'm staring at two or three odd man rushes per period down the other end. And, yep. and the games that we're into are the games that uh, I still see the odd man rushes, but they're bobbling over a stick or, or or Talbot's making the save and we're and we're zero zero in the second and we're still in the game. But they're still giving them up, you know? So I mean I don't I just I'm not understanding. I mean you're you're a professional hockey player. You've played hockey all your life and all of a sudden you don't know that you shouldn't let someone behind you. It, it doesn't make any sense. Thanks, Clayton. We appreciate it. Yeah, and I mean not to just pick on cleft bomb because other guys have done it, but yeah, the the pinch today wasn't wasn't necessary. Low percentage winds up in your net. Well, the problem with that is it's it's not a one off for Oscar. This is something that we've seen too many times from him. And, and the one thing that everyone makes mistakes, you just got to learn from them and try to limit them. And that's a mistake that he's made a number of times this year. It's a gamble, and it's not a good gamble. It's not one with good odds because the the risk factor is just too high, as we saw tonight. That's one, as you said earlier, if you're down a couple goals and you need to force the issue, you pinch. You're in a close game on the road or a tie game on the road, you go back and you wait for another time to make that decision. Nick on line five. Nick, you're on with Robin Reed. Hey, how's it going, guys? Pretty good. Just a couple of things here. I was thinking um, this team here, the Oilers I'm watching, they, uh, their wingers, I think everybody's right, they don't have enough winger depth, right? Like, you look at other teams, and Oilers have superstars, they got McDavid, Drysaddle could be one, but you look at other teams, they all have those players, Calgary's got Goudreau, Colorado's got McKinnon, they all got good players. 
<clears throat> now you surround them with your wingers, and I think the Oilers, they got a couple of things going against them. One, the, the Shirelli didn't give them enough to work with here. McDavid, the superstars. Also, this year, last year the Oilers had a great season. Nobody expected that really either. And I relate them to the Dallas Stars. Two years ago they had 109 points or 107, something like that. The next year everybody's expecting them to meet that level again, to be good. So now you got pressure going against you. The media expects you to be good. Everybody expects you to be good. And it's harder to play that way when you have expectations. Now, they're making millions of dollars. They're pro hockey players. They should be able to deal with it. But they're going to grip their sticks a little bit tighter. They're going to make plays that they shouldn't make. And I think that also has an effect on this season. No, That's you, all I got for you. Yep. You're absolutely right. The expectations are tough. It is, it's easy when you're the underdog. Because when things go wrong, there's no pressure on you because they weren't you weren't supposed to be good anyways, and that's what happened last year. They overexceeded their expectations. There was no pressure on them. It's easy to play. This year, expectations don't affect you until you face adversity. And when you face adversity, and all of a sudden everyone's calling into talk shows, writing in the paper, asking the questions over and over, that's when the expectations weigh you down. And you can see it in the way they're playing. That when they when the team starts to struggle, they struggle for an extended period because they're. The, the expectation has just worn them right down, and they don't know how to get through it because they haven't had to before. You know what's interesting, Rob? I've mm-hmm. never thought of it this way before. And maybe, and maybe I'll just throw this out there. I'm not even sure how much I believe it, but I'll put it out there as, okay. as a discussion point. When were the expectations highest for the Oilers last season? Probably when they led Anaheim two games to nothing in the second round. Yep. What happened after that? They lost four or five. Well, you're right. It, absolutely right. It's it's way easier being an underdog. And and, and as, odd, as odd as it is to say, handling success is a skill that people need to learn as as much as, as handling failure can be. Yeah. I really believe that. Like, well, that like is true. When expectations go up, when you tell somebody, okay, you're no longer the, the third-line checking winger who is, should score eight goals, now you're the second-line winger who should score six. I mean, all those little things. Well, that's like the the, the backup quarterback. Everyone loves the backup quarterback because right. he never does anything wrong until he gets in there and then you figure out, oh, now, now you know why he's the, the backup. Guy yeah. the team, yeah. Now you know why he's the backup quarterback. He can't actually play. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. More of your calls in a minute here. Let's go back to Dallas where the Oilers have lost 5-1. Here's center Mark Letestu. Well, they want to end their week off positively, but what happened out there? Uh... I think uh, we worked hard enough. Uh, you know, they, they came really hard in the first period, uh, but working hard just isn't good enough at, at an elite level. Uh, you know, some of the goals, all the goals they got tonight, backdoor, nothing your goaltender can do about it. Uh, it's just breakdowns, uh, little things, uh, whether it's communication. Uh, we couldn't contain those those four players for them tonight. I think in the last four games, it's, it's 16 to two for the other guys. It, it, it seems like it's just crumbling on a lot of fronts how do you how do you stop that yeah and i don't necessarily think you know we feel that way uh you know penalty kill didn't give one up tonight power play got one so that there's you know very minor silver linings uh the score is not not what we want it to be uh the work's there uh you know we just gotta find better results right now it's the little things whether it's getting blocks or picking up assignments uh but we certainly don't feel like it's crumbling uh there's still an important road trip and there's still four games left to go Generating offense is something that you wouldn't think would be a problem for a team that has this much talent on it, but it is. Yeah, I think every team goes through this. Uh, you know, we've had a couple stretches this year now where it's kind of run dry. Uh, 
but when it's gone dry, we bust it out for seven or eight a couple times. So uh, we know if we stick with it, there's a recipe for offense for goals for us. We just have to hang with it, uh, you know, not get down on each other. All right, that's Mark Letestu. Well, they do have to hang with it. I mean, there's 40 games left, so they, they don't have any other choice. You can't say, oh, well, we're eight out, so we'll just take the rest of the season off. 5-1 Dallas winning it today. Oilers back at it tomorrow in Chicago. 11.30 face-off show game will start at 1 here on 6.30. Chet. All right, Doug on line three. Go ahead, Doug. Yeah, Rob Reed, I know we're up against the clock, so I'll try and be quick. Uh, some of what you've said, you stole my thunder already, but day-to-day from here on out, McClellan's got a tough job. He's going to try and get what he can out of the guys each and every game. I mean, that's his job, and uh, it's hard. They look at the standings, uh, the players, I mean, and they know where they're at. Uh, you hit down a goal or two, and it's uh, here we go again type thing, right? We've yep. done this before. And that's tough for a coach to, to try and keep them upbeat. Uh, McClung, uh, Chirelli going forward, I think that's maybe even in some ways a tougher job. What do you do going from here forth? I know he tried in the past to kind of become you know semi Boston Bruins North uh, the game the game has has changed from what it used to be there's no doubt about it uh, fast but it doesn't mean you can be small and fast you can be <laughs> how do you say it? medium sized or above medium sized and fast yep. and we've got some slower foots there's no doubt about it some of them we're going to have to keep some you're going to try and move you mentioned it, uh, going like up against the cap and other teams and stuff like that, even if it's next summer. Boy, oh boy, what do you do? We haven't got much in the farm. we got one or two defensemen that might be might be one or two years away. But what do you do? I mean, how do, how do you, I hate to say this, semi-rebuild again. How, what do you do? Uh, he, he's got a tough, tough, tough job. At the end of the day, if Mr. Nichols sits back and says, boy, oh boy, I got to take a look at this whole operation, and you mentioned it earlier. I'm happy with my GM. Am I happy with our coaches? Yeah. Uh, I hate to see change. We've gone through seven coaches in ten years. How many GMs? Whatever. Uh, Bob Stoffer talked about earlier in a week about Tampa Bay. They didn't make the playoffs last year, but they didn't change nothing. They kept the same GM, same coaches, same everything. Uh, what's his name? Came back from injury, which helps. Yeah. Um, uh, sorry. Stamkos. Stamkos. Kucherov's a heck of a second-round pick. And what they did, they, they, they changed their goalie. They moved Bishop, and they brought in uh, Boschko. Well, well, they already the, had who they, are, who they already yeah, had, but yeah. they, they, they paved they, the they way for him to be the starter. Yeah. But I don't think we're the same as Tampa Bay, though. We're not the same team. Well, they don't have the scoring depth. Exactly. Right? So there's so, a thing. Again, they don't have a head really, but what do you do? Yeah. My guys, I, I, I have no answer. I don't know if you do, and I don't know if he does. Doug, we'll talk about that after the news, buddy. Thanks a lot for calling. Oilers lose 5-1. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Now, from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chan. Thanks for joining us. It's 5.05. Kansas City leading Tennessee 21-16, one minute into the fourth quarter. It was 21-3. Tennessee just got a touchdown but missed the two-point convert. Had to go for two to try to get within three in the fourth. So uh, Kansas City still up. Travis Kelsey, their start tight end, out of the game with a concussion, suffered in the second quarter. 
I did Andy see that. Reed can't blow another playoff game, can he? I I don't know. Actually, it's really hard because I'm watching in the reflection in the mirror, so everybody's going reader? backwards. No, it's kind of cool. Everyone goes backwards in the in the mirror reflection. So look, uh, the question was that it's a tough one. What what will Peter Shirelli do? I I would. Th- well, it I mean, also- look, and I know he's traded Hall and Eberle, and now we're talking about needing, needing wingers. I, I think you got a player who can be a very solid defender for a long time for Taylor Hall, even though that was a tough one to swallow. Ryan Strom has not contributed. No. And we knew he was not going to be as productive as Eberle. But? But if he's a little more productive than he has been, maybe they're a little better team. Yeah. And he doesn't impact the game if he doesn't score. He doesn't check very well. And for the most part, he's played with pretty good players this year, too. He's He's been with the Drysdale. He's been with the Nugent Hopkins. He's tried to center his own line. So, no, it's been a tough year for Strom. As for what Peter Shirelli does in April, May, June, July... It'll all be based on what happens in the next 39 games or 30 or 40 games, whatever's left. If they make a push, then you tinker and you say, all right, they got to go off to a slow start, but we were good enough. Look what we did the second half. If you keep going in the same direction you're going right now, well, then there's some major overhauls that have to be done. And it's not going to be easy. It's not easy turning over uh, a large part of your, your, your team, especially when you've got a number of these players under contract with with term. So yeah. you got to move players with term. That's not easy to do. Mark Stone is going to be an unrestricted free agent. Gr- I really like him. Rick Nash, who doesn't score like he yeah. used to. Yeah, I think want a lot of money. No, James, I think James he's Neal, there's an interesting one. Yeah, if I'm if I'm Vegas, Vegas is going to throw money at him. I would. Well, I mean, and the thing is Vegas, you wonder what they're going to do. Well, they just signed that Mar- is it Marciso? Is that how you say his name? Yeah, they just got an extension with a him. A 6-year deal for him. So James Van Riemsdyk, he has 17 goals. Good hockey player. But you think to where Toronto's going, they're going to try to want to keep him. Yeah, but then again, I don't know what the contract status is what they have. You know who's an interesting guy is Josh Bailey. He's good. Who has 50 points already this season. He's going to be a UFA. If, now again, these guys could be Resigned. Hey, well, and what, what have we seen with a number of players that have played with Johnny Tavares and they moved elsewhere? They weren't quite as good when they didn't have Johnny Tavares around to help them. So if I'm Bailey, I'm seeing maybe what's on the open market, but I'm gonna if it's anywhere close to what I'm gonna get in Long Island, I stay and become Johnny's winger. But you gotta you have a private conversation with Johnny Tavares. Say, okay, are you staying here? Because he becomes an unrestricted free agent the year following. Evander Kane as well. Yeah, you know, too many headaches with just, him. Just don't know what you're going to get. No, too many headaches. I mean, you get points. He get but points, you think but too much other stuff. I think I think he's. Uh, I'm not sure he's into the team oriented type of hockey. Five one Dallas wins over the Oilers this afternoon. We have Rick on line four. Rick, thank you for phoning. Yeah, I got a few comments. Uh, number one is goaltending. Our goaltending hasn't been good enough this year, and you must. It it starts in the net. You've got to have the big save, and it's an old saying, you don't score at one end, you score at the other. Uh, second to that is, I do question the coaching. I like McClellan. I think he's a great coach. I don't think he should be moved. I don't think he should be reprimanded, but I do question him this year. And uh, My one comment, I have two comments about McClellan. Number one is, when I heard McDavid was sick and lost 15 pounds, they played him through his whole sickness. That sickness also went through the team. Well, listen, if your uh, resource isn't up to par, you're not putting him in the race. But David has got too much value to this franchise to be playing him through a sickness where he lost 15 pounds. And any athlete that loses 15 pounds, that's my second comment uh, about the coaching is, uh, two games ago, uh, McDavid went down to block a shot. It was a slap shot from the defenseman. 
and it hit him in the ankle. And the question was, when he went off, is he going to be injured? From a coaching perspective, McClellan came out and stated that if your star player is going to do that, everybody does it. But I can tell you, nobody told Wayne Gretzky to get into a fight. Let me give you a parallel to what I'm trying to say. Belichick does not say to Brady, you be sure you block that, that you make a block when your defensive back is running. They tell Brady to get the hell out of the way. Yeah, but Mike so, Riley, like to play devil's advocate, Mike Riley runs out and blocks for, for Eskimos guys. That's just, how, just, that's just his personality, right? Yeah, but just hang on. You're talking your star player here. You don't want him blocking shots and getting injured again. I mean, he's broken his collarbone already. So I do question McClellan on a few spots. I mean, if he lost 15 pounds and was sick early this year, that's early this year, he should have been sat out, and he should have waited until he was ready to come back. Having said that, he's your star. I mean, you've got to protect your star. So some of this, I think, has been brought on by their own. Accepting that hockey is mojo. You look at a lot of the teams this year, Ottawa, uh, Toronto, Edmonton, there's a few other, you guys will correct me, Columbus or Nashville, but some of these, mojo is everything in the game today. So if you don't have have a break once in a while, like from your goaltending and or whatever else is going on, uh, you need you need that spark. You Rick, need some consistency. I got to ask you a question. First of all, you're you're right on the goaltending. Talbot is not as good as he has been last year, though. I think there's also been some games he hasn't got a lot of help. Rob brought this up during the game. Uh, Dallas had a four nothing lead. Did you see who they had killing penalties? You know, I didn't. I'm sorry, Rob. They had Ben and Sagan, their two best players by far. Their two best players were killing a penalty with a four nothing lead in a game that was already over. Yeah. Blocking shots is part of the game, whether it's Connor McDavid or Jujar Kara. And if, well, if you know what, I'll totally disagree with you. Okay, David is just everything to your friend. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Every player in the National Hockey League blocks shots. Jamie yeah. Ben will block shots. Tyler Sagan will block shots. Sidney Crosby block shots. You know what? Um, you and I disagree. Okay, I, but I okay, you you, we might disagree whether Connor McDavid should. We can't disagree on the fact that all those other players do because they well, do. The sickness. Well, players play through illness all the time. They do. And that one's on. That one's Connor McDavid. Connor McDavid, he wouldn't come out. Yeah, well, again, uh, we're, uh, to me, we're talking about coaching. So I think he made some poor decisions, and, uh, and I don't agree. But I also think the Oilers have it. I don't, I don't think they have to make too many, too many moves. But Talbot's got to bring it up. They maybe have to make a move or so on defense, and away we go. Like, I, like, listen, it's not on coaching. I don't think it's on coaching. I'm not trying to be... No, but they, they, so. they're they not immune to criticism. I mean, to me, the coaching, the, the special teams debate is where it comes by uh, with coaching. Rick, good call, buddy. Thanks, okay? You bet. All right. Quick timeout, and then Brett and David are getting on the show. Oilers beating 5-1 in Dallas. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. Live from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio, 630 Chair. Okay, thanks a lot for tuning in. It is 5-16. Connor McDavid and everybody in the NHL will be blocking shots. I know Rick is upset about it. Hey. He's not going to fight. No, he won't fight. He will block shots. And blocking shots hurts. I got a, I got the scar on my foot from blocking Gary Galley's. It broke my foot. I had to have surgery. Uh, the, the thing different, you know, when he talked about Wayne Gretzky and stuff like that, shot blocking was not prevalent back then. 
shot blocking nowadays is it's all. I mean, if it, if you if you're ever going to make a rule change, I would love to make the rule change where you cannot lay down to block a shot. Bob Ganey was the one that brought that up. It would uh, it would create right. more scoring chances and probably create fewer injuries. And the reason now when McDavid blocked that shot against the Habs, the Oilers were not shorthanded. But the reason I brought up Sagan and Ben being out there when Dallas is shorthanded is because often you wind up blocking a few more yep. shots when you're shorthanded. Dallas was shorthanded for four minutes and fifty seconds. Sagan and Ben each were on the ice for a minute fifty eight of that. So almost half of it. Yeah. Yeah. And they. The, they're dangerous. Like Rick's Rick's point is well taken. Yes, I understand. But it's it just completely. the reality of it's a different world. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, Brett is on the line. Hey, Brett. Hey, Reed. Uh, Rob, great show. Um, I'd kind of like to speak a little bit about the history of the Oilers. Uh, hello. Yeah, yeah go ahead. here. Yeah. So, um, in the inception of the Oilers, there they had that incredible lineup, and the fan base got kind of spoiled. You know, like look at the history of the Oilers and it speaks for itself. So now, after suffering through that decade of darkness, I see really good things happening with the Oilers right now. And I see a fan base that's just ready to hit that panic button all the time. And you can't do that in contracts, salary cap, and all the rest of it. I think we're going to have two years of finding a lineup and playing that lineup into a position where we can challenge. I think it's going to take time, and uh, to, de- to develop depth, we just got to be patient. It's just going to take time because we're still paying for some of those bad contracts. Well, that's true. Yeah, yeah absolutely that's, that's true. true. Yeah, you know, and 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 the fan base, I, I hear it all the time. Oh, you know, Ryan Nugent Hopkins got to go. This guy's got to go. You know, I think Ryan Nugent Hopkins is is a diamond in the rough, and if he had a couple of good wingers, I think that guy could light things up. No, you're right. Well, I think most people this year don't want Nuge going you know, anywhere. Yeah, and, and and sure, there's deficiencies in the lineup, but our fan base has got to be a little bit more patient with those fellows. And well, but but we, I will say this, Brett, though, to defend people of a who might be less seasoned than you, I, or, or Rob, there 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 is a fan base that has never seen a good Oilers team, and that's got to be pretty painful. Yeah, and you know, I remember just sitting on the edge of my seat and chewing my fingernails off, and you know, I I had my fair share of frustrations as well. And my biggest concern going forward is uh, some of the assets that we have. I think they could be damaged physically and mentally as well if they're put under, you know, um, you know, put into situations where the pressure is just too much, right? And so I just love the show, and you guys carry on. You're doing a great job. Well, Thank thanks, you Brett. So much. We appreciate you listening for sure. Five nineteen Oilers lose five one to the Dallas Stars. Yeah, I mean, I I understand. Like, we, we kind of have two batches of fans, right? If if you could split Oilers fans down the middle. Hey, wait a second. Somebody got in trouble at Edmonton for saying we have two kinds of fans before. I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. Okay, good. That's not where I'm going. <laughs> I mean, we have fans who've seen them win Stanley Cups yes. and fans who haven't. And the fans, like I said, since the fifth cup in 1990, the Oilers have really not been a good team. Well, I got a 16-year-old son that has never... Seen the, I mean, last year was the first time he saw the Oilers play in a playoff game. And that whole generation, they found other teams. Right, but even if you were born in, say, 1988, yep. you wouldn't remember 1990 because you were two. Mm-hmm. And then you would have been almost, you would have been 18 in 2006. So that would have meaning to you. Yeah. But it's like I was saying, they hadn't had 
I think nineteen. I think before last year, nineteen eighty-eight was the last time they had home ice advantage in the first round of the playoffs, which means you finished in the top half yeah. of your division or your conference. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah. It's it, it's been. So a, I, like, I don't blame people for nope. being impatient or upset. Like, well, that's, that's what being fans that's, are all about. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing rational about being a sports. Well, fan. It, no, I, I've you're said right. that before. There's people in in their in their walk of life, whether they're uh, surgeon, teacher, police are, officer, or whatever, just yeah. a parent or whatever that are complete lunatics when it comes to sports. And I mean that as a compliment. Yeah. Well, that well <laughs> because you and I could be like that too. Well, when when my <laughs> when my New England Patriots are playing, yeah, absolutely. I am like that and passionate like that. We have uh, David on line 1. David, go ahead. Hi guys, how are you doing today? Doing pretty good. Good. Uh, I'd like to attribute most of the problems that the Oilers are having today on uh, the Griffin Reinhardt trade. Trading with the 32nd and the 16th overall picks. Um Matthew Barzell had actually slipped. He was, by most pundits, a top 10 pick. And if we picked Barzell in 2015, we'd, we'd be talking a different tune today. So I, I think Shirelli blew our team up back then. And I think another thing he did is he traded away Taylor Hall and Eberle and, and made a trade with, uh, not trade, but took Lucic for the same contract in a longer duration, older, slower player than those two. Yeah, no, you're right. the 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 Griffin Reinhardt trade was a it was a it did bad not trade. Work out at all. It was a bad trade. Although, from everything we've heard, they were not the Oilers were not taking Barzell in the draft. That's not they had their eye on a different player. So Barzell wouldn't be the guy that was here. Having said that, it, it was a bad trade because we gave up two Any picks. Any player would have been better than nobody. Yeah, because right now we've got none of none of those. We don't have the picks, and we don't have Griffin Reinhardt. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's go back to Dallas one more time. Here's center Leon Dreisaitl in the wake of the Oilers' 5-1 loss to the Stars. Uh, yeah, early, I think, in the, in the first. Um, you know, too many... Um, yeah, easy goals for them. Um, you know, they didn't really have to work uh, for them too hard. Uh, even though I thought we, for the most part of the game, we were pretty tight in, in our own zone. Um, you know, obviously, there's too many cross-crease cross, cross crease passes, uh, open nets, that kind of stuff. Uh, uh, we'll have to make sure to, to, to clean that up. It's kind of like the game, like you were saying, was fairly evenly played. It's just sort of they finished on some easy chances, and you guys aren't able to generate the offense that you think a team like this should be able to generate. Uh, yeah, uh, I think we had our chances too. Um, I think it was one of those games that could have went either way. But again, like I said, we, we gave them uh, a little too much ice, especially their best players. And um, you know, in this league, uh, uh, you know those those types of plays they hurt you every night. You've seen this a couple of times where you come off a really good game against Anaheim, a well-played game, and you, you kind of think you got it going in the right direction, and then there's another another backward step. Uh, how do you avoid that? And is, it, is this kind of more deflating because you guys thought you had something going? Yeah, of course it's frustrating. <laughs> um, it seems like it's been like that all year. But, um, you know, we have the character in here to, to bounce back. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get another crack at it tomorrow. All right, that's Leon Dreisaitl got the Oilers' only goal this afternoon, his first power play goal of the season. Obviously not nearly enough. Dallas wins it 5-1. So on to Chicago, 11.30 face-off show tomorrow, Rob, game at 1. Uh, incredibly tough stretch for the Oilers. You mentioned it in their last four games. They've been outscored 16-2. to Oddly enough, one, one, one of those games. So what do you expect tomorrow? 
Well, I expect two incredibly desperate teams going at it with everything they have. The Chicago Blackhawks are on the outside looking in, and as much as the Oilers had expectations for this season, the Chicago Blackhawks have expectations for every year. They believe they're a Stanley Cup contender every time they step on the ice. So they are in uh, an area that they've not been in a long time. So both teams are going to be desperate. I expect it to be emotional. I expect to be, there to be an intensity about the game. Uh, and the Oilers need a rebound because today was not near good enough. If they win tomorrow, all of a sudden the weekend's not bad. A split on the road in Dallas and Chicago would be good, but they need a much better effort tomorrow. By the way, Kansas City's 21-3 halftime lead is gone. Kansas City now trailing Tennessee 22-21 with six minutes left in the NFL postseason game this afternoon. Oh, there we go. little Def Leppard to cheer everybody up on the way out from Patrick Bauer. Thanks to Patrick, our studio producer this afternoon. This has been Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. You can get more on 630Ched.com. We're back with you 11.30 tomorrow morning. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Stars over the Oilers 5-1. Have a great night.